Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, and the official show of UTHDynasty.com. We are right in the middle of rookie drafting season. Katie Flower is traveling this week, and I'm going to do the first half of the show, a solo edition. I'm going to go over some rookie draft mindset ideas to get you dialed in. Again, May is rookie drafting month, and I think mindset, in addition to a few other factors, beyond the players, is is really paramount to navigating your league's annual draft. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to have Tim Torch on for a little segment where we're going to discuss some of the things we've seen in rookie drafts over the first week or so post-NFL draft. All right, let's dig in here. So my rookie draft mindset ideas. The first thing, and this becomes paramount when you start tracking your trades. I do them in real time when I make a trade. And obviously, if I got to make a pick, I go in there and uh, navigate my draft itself. But I have a spreadsheet. I have an Excel tab. I'm sure no one is surprised by this, where I track my trades. I put in what did I give up? What did I get? Uh, the approach of the deal? What was my my mindset? So um, uh, my goal? Was I buying a player, selling a player, uh, moving down, moving up? You kind of know what the, the premise is when you walked into it. Every once in a while, you get a cold call that is an offer coming to you that you still have an approach. You still have what's the target? What's the focus of this deal? What was your first thought of your goal? Was it buying the player that they were selling? Was it selling a player that they were buying? So that's what I mean by the the approach. Um, I grade it. I also put in if there's future picks involved, I, I put in what, who and, and what team they're from because future you know, does that end up early in the round, late in the round? What player did that turn into? The cascading effect of these deals can sometimes linger for a year or two down the line. But when I've been tracking these in my leagues, the biggest thing I notice uh, is it's tough to tough to move up. It can be really tough to move up. Even if someone says that the pick is available, you still have to offer them something that they want. And I don't know about you, but if you've been listening down to the helmet for a little bit, Typically, what happens is you like to hoard picks. You like to make the picks. You like to control the board. That doesn't mean you make every pick that's a rookie. However, it means that you have the flexibility to use that as a more liquid asset than a veteran player within your leagues. And what that means is uh, if you're trying to move up, here are the two basic methods of moving up. First of all, you can just give up a bunch of picks. That could be two picks for one to move up. That could become future capital. It could be a number of things, but I get a little squeamish in general. You got to make sure if you're moving up that the juice is worth the squeeze. Secondarily, you have to make sure that potentially the other asset you're moving, the later pick, the future pick, is it beyond a zone that, that you're comfortable with? So those two things of just using only picks 
can be difficult. That's the most liquid part. That's the easiest way to do a deal during a rookie draft. Just give more rookie assets. Well, a lot of times I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. And a lot of times you probably are not as well. The other part of moving up is, well, now you have to give up a player. Well, what player are you comfortable with? What player are you maybe lower on than they are high on? And then the other aspect is they have to be interested. I've had a number of times where the player I want to sell, and I think it's applicable market value-wise for this type of move or this zone of the rookie draft, and they are not interested. Oh, I'm not interested in player X. Well, that eliminates that whole subset. So I've found a lot of times you got to kind of stick and sit on your hands because moving up is tricky, tricky business. And then moving down, you control the board. Uh, you can exhaust the clock. If you got six hours, eight hours overnight, uh, you can send out an, a wave of offers. You can try to move down one spot, three spots, 11 spots out of the draft entirely. You have a lot of flexibility and you have the entire rest of the league to canvas. So therefore, it should be easier to move down, the deductive reasoning, than to move up. So that's that's one thing. Just know if you're trying to move up, it requires a specific dance partner. It's like Sadie Hawkins. It's like uh, it, you know. It's like going to prom. You ask one specific person, and they control the cards. They control the yes or the no, or maybe, or Josh already asked me, or whatever it is. And then if it's uh, if you are on the clock, that means it's almost like you and a room full of potentials, and you can ask all of them, and you're more likely to get a yes answer. So just like dynasty trading and specific in rookie drafts, there's a finite number of picks and a specific spot you may want to get to with a trade up that may be very, very difficult. Second point here is in general, I don't think enough people think enough about how they're going to manage their roster August through December, especially with your later round picks. So again, a late round pick could be round three or two, depending on the format. A late round pick could be round five or six in a deep league. But know whatever that means to you. What's close to your waiver wire? And also, what you know? generally, what's your patience level? What is your management style as a dynasty owner? Because if you are one where you are fine drafting developmental wide receivers from day three, I'm just gonna throw out names. I mean, let's say you draft Khalil Shakir, going to Buffalo. You really like him. You draft him in the third round. Well, you better have in your mind's eye what success looks like by September or November. What does it look like when you're holding them? What will it take to cut them off of your roster? That sunken cost, how much does that play a role to you? If they are showing nothing and they're not injured, but they're barely playing, they've got 20 targets in the first eight, nine, 10 games of the season, you're still holding? Do you still believe? How much do you believe? So these are key critical questions. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's a a one-stop shop and one way of thinking for these roster spots. But what I am going to say is your rookie draft, the player selection, maybe the position you select needs to align with your patience level as well as what your roster management style in August through December is going to be. For example, I know myself, I am going to be moving and shaking and, and, and mixing things up on the waiver wire. And I like to have the freedom of roster spots. 
So that means I need to be very careful in, say, a 25-man roster format with a four-round rookie draft. Once I get to the third round, there might be exceptions profile-wise. But in general, if I'm making picks in the third and fourth round, then I, I know already going into that pick, I better pick a player that I have very clear if they do this or if they, you know, if they make the active roster as the running back three or they have to be considered or viewed as the, the primary backup uh, or whatever thresholds I have that, oh, I'm going to keep them. But if they do not achieve that standard, I, I need to be comfortable, even if I spent 307 on them, be comfortable cutting them for the waiver wire running back du jour in late August, early September, and especially once the season gets rolling along. So I know that about myself, and I've learned some harsh lessons of holding guys too long, saying no to the waiver wire, not being as thorough about what is maybe the best opportunity between waiver wire options. And guys, a few months ago, I drafted with, in my view at the time, which is a little laughable now saying it in retrospect, was a meaningful rookie draft capital investor in investment. So that that is really the dividing line. If you're going to be patient, if you're going to foster players, I think it brings in quarterbacks a little more, tight ends, wide receivers. If you're not going to have patience, if you want to explore the waiver wire more aggressively, I'm not saying you have to, but if you are, if the format kind of dictates that, and I would say when you get to the mid twenties or more shallow, the waiver wire is going to look pretty good pretty often. Almost every week, I would tell you that there's going to be options that intrigue you. And if that's going to tickle your fancy, if that's going to gain your interest, then drafting Khalil Shakir Shakir just to have one player, for example, or Calvin Austin, uh, you know, or Danny Gray going to the 49ers, like those types of options may be slow burns. It may be 2023 before you see much of anything. Are you still going to hold? You gonna hold then? You gonna hold over drafting a third or fourth round rookie twelve months from now? These are key critical questions so that you do not waste the, the there's two ways you waste. Number one would be you waste time. Where, okay, I'm an impatient person, but now because I spent three oh five on this wide receiver, I'm gonna hold them against my better judgment because of what I spent. So that is uh that is a waste. The other waste would be that you, you're going to churn it out and you do churn it out, but then you wasted a 305 in that same instance. You, you use 305 as a vehicle, as an investment for basically three or four months. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm, I'm fine spending 410 for a three month. What's going to happen here? Is he, is he, are they going to make the active roster type investment type look-see? But... If you, if you spend something in the third round, especially mid-third round, I think you have to have a little more uh, discrepancy, a little more, uh, a little more deciphering eye for what you're looking for there. All right, my last point here before we bring in Tim Torch is uh, the three Ps. I just came up with this on my own, so uh, don't pretend like I've been talking about it for the last five years. I certainly haven't. But the three Ps in guiding your picks. Number one, pedigree. I think a lot of people overlook pedigree. On every single one of my personal rookie big boards, I have draft position as a column. 
I have draft position as a column. And yes, that feeds into things like adjusted adjusted uh, draft tier, ADT. It feeds into things like the rankings, the values for the format. It feeds into all the other things that I have listed. But I have one more column just as a failsafe of draft position. And you'd be surprised because when you look there and you're like, I'm going to draft this guy where? You know, th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a first round pick on a day three running back. I'm going to spend it on... A, a you know a, a wide receiver drafted in round three when there's a round one guy available. These are the types of things that create checks and balances. And then the number two thing, profile. So like I said, their projection model score were they productive? Uh, you know you can forget that at running back a little bit. Zamir White looking right at you, where physical ability. Upside, promise. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be a multi-year starter. It makes you sleep well at night. It makes you feel warm and cozy when you draft a running back that's been there, done that, Brees Hall, for example, uh, for a number of years. It makes you feel better, more secure. It does help the predictability. But then at wide receiver, there's a lot of guys going in the top 15 to 20 this year that didn't produce very much. And by, by very much, I mean not requisite to the investment you're going to spend for that player, for that profile. So we've got pedigree, how, you know, where do they go in the NFL draft? Prof, and then again, pedigree means something different for every skill position. So can you pick it going in the first round? It's not the same as a running back going in the first round or a wide receiver going in the first round. He went not in the top 16, and, you know, generally you want higher is better at quarterback, but really that top half is a key marker, and the NFL let Kenny Pickett slide. Don't even get me started on Malik Willis and the others that fell to round three, for goodness sake. Round three. So we have pedigree, we have profile. Last one, personal preference. So I know I talk a lot about data. I know I I, I talk a lot about process and being a little robot of decision-making acumen. Like, but you know what? This is your team. We, we, we watched some college games. I'm sure every, everybody listening has watched some college or you've watched some highlights of a player or you, you know they, they play for your favorite or local college team. You've seen them play a little bit. You might have some personal preference towards them. So again, within reason, just keep in mind, this is, this is a dynasty team. It's supposed to be fun. It's, your team is supposed to be something that you like looking at. In terms, and it's supposed to have some some players. Maybe not every single player is your, you know one of your top three favorite players at the the position. That just may not be possible at any point in time. But it's your team, and it's fantasy. It's fantasy football. So if you put that together and say, "Hey, I really like this certain player. I've watched them since they were an incoming freshman. I really like them." First of all, you could get them in Devi if you play a Devi format. But secondly. You can get them in the rookie draft. I, I think that you know your exposure and market share to a player is the easiest to control, not in a startup draft, but inside of a rookie draft setting. You have a pretty tight window of knowing where they'll go. You can trade up and back. Uh, you're naturally going to have some picks right in that zone to select them. And getting a player from the ground floor yet to play uh, a snap in the NFL and you in Dynasty can own them for the rest of their career, and you have control over them within your league construct. All these are really appealing things to say that, you know, I believed in him. He wasn't the highest drafted guy at his position, but when they turn out to be the best, it's very appealing. Uh, you know, I would go back to David Johnson 
of giving me warm fuzzies because I was all in on David Johnson. I was all in on Alvin Kamara. Of course, we all have misses too. So, you know, I I really liked Christine Michael. Uh, That didn't work out quite so well. And when uh, when you earmark a player, go get the player. So personal preference. Uh, and again, hopefully it, it, it blends with some of the pedigree, profile, patience level, uh, moving up and down the board, roster management, mixing in with some of your selections as applicable, all these other things I talked about. But at the end of the day, again, have some personal preference, some nuance to what do you think? Who do you think is going to be a big-time player? Did someone go to an offense that you're super excited about? Then again, within, within the scope of reason, because you, you still want to optimize how much value you get. You know, if a, if a player has an ADP of 112, you don't really have to sit there and take him at 104. You know, you can try to trade back a little bit. You can still be aggressive. So that would be the final point I leave you with is pedigree, profile, and personal preference. All right, so we got Tim Torch here for a segment to finish out the show this week. The craziest things we've seen in rookie drafts. We both have had some go on over the past week or so early in the cycle here. You can follow Tim on Twitter at TimNFL. And uh, Tim, uh, thanks for joining the show and in, in filling in for Katie Flower this week. And it's rookie drafting season, and we've seen a lot of data points. We've also heard things probably on, on Twitter or within our uh, subscriber or fan base. Um, so kick us off. I mean, what's something you've seen in your league and someone else's league that just makes you say, wow? Yeah, the, the two things that I would probably just kind of put quick haters on as far as like the craziest thing. Uh, in one of my personal leagues, I saw, uh, I saw Drake London go 101. It, it was no, <laughs> your, your silence is kind of telling, but you, uh, it was, it was just a, a, a flexible start, um, only requiring to start two wide receivers. Uh, the person's even came back with a comment because the league was like, I've never seen Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker not go one oh one. Right. And they were like, I, I needed a wide receiver. So I went and got my favorite wide receiver and The the need part is what gets me. I will, I will say this. I mean, at least I I agree that I I haven't seen that in any of my leagues. It's very, very rare. What I'll say though, is I understand. I'll do the Chris Rock thing. I don't get it, but I understand like, because he's a top 10 pick. I mean, you, it's hard to find guys that are six, six, three, six, four plus, you know, 215, 220 pounds, top projection model score with elite pedigree. I mean, that's a hard combination to find. And if there wasn't, like, I I think if Brees Hall was not in the class, this would be, or if Brees Hall went 56 overall, I think we'd see Drake London 101 a decent amount. So I get the argument. I, I, and I think he should go really high and he typically does go really high. I've also seen Drake London at four, five, six, which I find mind-blowing that sometimes he's like in one of my leagues, he was wide receiver three off the board. That's pretty interesting. But so I I kind of understand it a little more than what you're saying. Not that I would do it at 101, but (laughs) I, I, you know, in in one league, I mixed it up. Uh, I had a look at Kenneth Walker and I said, you know, I'm, I took over this team. It's got literally three or four pieces. And then I've got to build depth in a massive fashion on, on this orphan takeover. And I took Drake London. Part of part of the idea was I have them relatively close. Part of it is one of the biggest uh, incentives for a running back is the early hit. And then 
but if this year is me- relatively meaningless to me, and this is a very specific case, so I, I thought about this for quite some time because I knew I need to explain it. You know that I'm going to talk about that draft and and talk about you know building up a team from scratch. And um, I think it was at I think it was at 103 or something. So anyway, I, I did do that in one case, but yeah, 101, like you're saying. I mean, that's what two percent of leagues probably. Yeah, I. I know you're saying it happens. I, I just don't think it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so well, many people at this point are kind of looking at the, it just, the, this is what happens. This is what's supposed to happen. That That's not something you, I, I really ever see and, and ever someone say that's just what happens. So yeah, right. I, well, I, I think well, how about, the, how about this though? This whole idea, when we got to, what was it? Uh, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of draft weekend, the whole theory was chaos theory, right? ADP is going to be out the window. People are going to do nutty stuff and we're going to outline some nutty stuff. But I've been surprised how close to the ADP spectrum of reasonability almost every pick has been. Yeah. Like if you just have an ADP list and it's sourced with, you know, hundreds of drafts and stuff like that, it's amazing how often the next player picked is one of the top two or three. "Quote unquote," left on the board. Like I've been, I've been pretty surprised on how how you've been able to predict what's going to happen. There's been a rogue pick every now and again, but this whole idea that it's just going to be nuttiness and 102 could be 110 and you know all this kind of stuff. It really hasn't been as much as as I've been expecting based on the narrative during the draft or right after the draft ended. I was like, oh, there's some actually some sticky sticky things going on here in terms of like, oh, here's the guys that typically go top five or so. Here's here's the rest of round one. And maybe there's one exception pick, maybe at most. Like it's been very, very uh, norm, if you will. Uh, my first one's going to be Kenny Pickett. Uh, I saw him go in multiple leagues, round one of a one quarterback stock league. Oh, and that blew my mind. I mean, I was sitting there at, and, and so again, I was at there, you know, at 11 or 12 or 201. And like, sometimes you're sitting there like, I kind of need a rogue pick. And you don't know what, and we've all been there, right? You do the math and you're like, there's three guys I want. And I'm four picks away. You're like, Ugh. and then when, when that Kenny Pickett uh, selection happens, golden, you know, then you're good to go. Or if you get, uh, what was the other rogue pick that happened? Um, you know, you start seeing like Damian Pierce. I, I saw, well, anyway, I'll get to one other guy, but, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, Kenny Pickett to me blows my mind in the first round of, of one quarterback. And frankly, Malik Willis in the early second, I've seen that as well. I just, it's like the draft never happened for the quarterback position for some of these drafters. Yeah, I, I completely and unequivocally agree because whether it's super flex or, or not, people are just saying this was the first quarterback taken. This was, this is a guy that's mobile and and it's a quote unquote good opportunity. I I don't even see the great opportunity, but it's just amazing to, to kind of see what people tell themselves when they, (laughs) when they make these picks, it's, I I don't get it. What's another, Hmm. what's another crazy thing you've seen? Yeah, I, I was going to mention, uh, I've seen Malik Willis still go in the first round. And, and yeah. I, I saw him go in the first round in a super flex league of mine. You're still crazy. And, right. There's there's just so many reasons not to make that bet, let alone, let alone the players that you can kind of just say, hey, this player should be taken in front of him. But it, it's kind of to turn it around and, and say, I'm, again, just ignoring what happened in the NFL draft. Um, even I, I referenced it during the show, but the 
the podcast you had with Matt Williamson, he he came out and said, like teams tell you what they think when they through the draft, through free agency. He went he lasted that long in the NFL draft. And so it wasn't just one team telling you what they're planning on doing. All of them. It is it is every single one of them telling you repeated, telling you more than one time that we are not going to take this guy. So at some point it does become value and and we'll see what happens from there. But not really though, the, because I, I've yet to see him fall to a point where I'm like, eh, maybe I should consider Malik well, Willis. I, yeah. I, I mean from the NFL side of it, at yeah, some point, it, at some point it's value taking a quarterback with with some upside. Side, from, side, Sidebar, let me ask you, what do you think of Justin Ross? Oh, I I keep seeing like Jordan tweets about it. And I've seen and him I go get, in the early third. And I and that's where I see him too. I I just can't bring myself to do it, especially with with running backs or, or are, I, I got a question. There's, there's so many other players I, I kind but, of like in that range. Or we just talk talked about myself. the NFL passing. How does right. the so the entire NFL passed every single pick of the entire yes. draft, and you would think a lot of that or almost every all of it one. is medicals, and now you're saying because he went to a certain team or because he got signed, we think that the medicals are just going to be fine, right? Yep. I mean, this is I don't know. And the last time he was actually good was how many years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Two, you can three. blame it on quarterbacks, and you can blame it on Clemson. You can do whatever you want, but it's been a while since he's actually, when he's played, been good. Yeah. So I just, so Justin Ross is one. I have a hard. I think I don't even know. I, I think currently I have zero shares uh, of the ones that have been drafted. All right, next one. This, one, this one's going to blow your mind. Jalen Tolbert, one ten. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the rogue pick, and I, I, that was a league I really wow. needed. I needed the rogue pick. And I got it. Jalen Tolbert, 110. Now, here's the argument. The argument is, well, Michael Gallup's going to be on the shelf. Jalen Tolbert was really good for two to three years in college. He got day two pedigree. And you know, just what if? What if he just jumps right in and he's on a strong offense? Like, I get the pitch, but that's a pitch for like late second or early third of a rookie draft, Like if you like him. And so going 110, like to get your guy, that's having zero awareness of the room. Like 110, you could have traded down twice and still got him. Like <laughs> no one was no one was sniping you on Jalen Tolbert. So that that's probably the biggest mind-blowing one of the of the whole thing for me so far. I'm I'm at a I am at a loss. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you about one other one I had written down because you already talked about Malik Willis. I saw Malik Willis at 204 of a one quarterback league. Now you said you saw first round and super flex as well, but I saw 204 of a one quarterback league, and here's the rub. Over Kenny Pickett, can you make an argument like the oh well he runs around so even though he went two full rounds later in the NFL draft, I still fantasy wise can take him higher. Like does that argument have any validity to you? No, no. (laughs) One of my favorite things that you've done that that I I try to do frequently myself is the decision tree, and and the reason I do that is because. I I will I can 100% be prisoner of the moment, my fandom, what whatever it is, like talking myself into something, or if I read something on Twitter, I'm like, you know what, that really makes a lot of sense to me. I can 100% be really prisoner of those type of situations. So that's why I've really adopted kind of the decision tree with 
with my rookie drafts or trades or whatever it is. And it, it's helped me just be more, more effective and more impactful and more purposeful. Like a crazy with, test. Yeah. Am I being crazy? Or if you are being a little crazy, at least you know where on the spectrum on how crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, again, it's just, it, it's just trying to put myself in better situations. So I'm not really sabotaging myself all the time. Um, and, and I had one more. I don't know if you've seen this. I saw some, I saw someone during the rookie draft. I think they made a selection. Then I get I get an email. Then I get an email alert, an email uh, notification that they set their week one lineup. Oh. And I was just like, so they drafted they drafted their second round selection. They're going, they're you know they're they're having their cigar party. They're like, all right, nailed this thing, ready for championship. And then they set their lineup. And and I wonder, like, so is this in case you completely forget that everything exists regarding this league, you're still going to post a week one win. Is that what that means? Like, I'm very confused by the setting your week one lineup. Is that because is that like roster? Is that rosterbation to to a T? When you're just like, <laughs> look at how great yes. my post rookie draft team is. Am, I'm going to set this amazing. lineup and intimidate the crap out of my league mates. I am amazing. Exactly. I'm amazing. And and the, the what would be funny is if you if you save that and be like, wait a second, they changed their week one lineup. I'm gonna set my week one lineup because I'm going against them. I need to have a strategy. I need to put up some defense against all this offense. So anyway, I just wrote lock it in. <laughs> Let's just lock that lineup in <laughs> there for their uh their week one lineup. Yeah, I don't get it. I I'm I'm not there. It, it's great. <laughs> You're not thinking September already? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, I really need, I, there's a lot of stuff I got to get through. Before, Has Ohio before warmed there. up? Have you warmed up? Oh, Does yeah. it officially feel like summer? Yeah, we're, we're in the 70s now. So Ooh, actually nice. it says spring. In two weeks, it'll be 90 and you'll be like, where did that go? But <laughs> yes. for, for right now, it's nice. It's officially nice. Yeah, it, it is very nice right now. It's uh, it's almost uh, to lawn mowing season, right? Oh, I've already mowed my lawn twice. Ooh, look at you! Look at you, Jordan. Made fun of Jordan made fun of me, but I got a manual lawn mower. Oh. Manual, it spins. Oh. It requires my own my own uh, force. I know they they now have ones that are like assisted, right? They have ones that it's actually just... they kind of push like with your force. It kind of uh, boosts it as well. It gooses it a little bit. Do you have a stock? Do you have a stock gas one, or electric, or assisted, or what? I, I have a gas mower. Yeah, just a traditional. Yeah, nothing fancy. Nothing. No, nothing fancy. Get in the yeah. yard, ready for all the playtime with the kids. I, I I don't have I don't have a really big yard, so I'm yeah I'm I'm good. Doesn't you might be a good candidate to have a you might be be a good candidate to have a manual one then. I only did that because it was like a fraction of the cost of one. Yes. And I was just like, let me try it out. I need one like soon, you know, when we first moved in. And I was like, let's see, let's see how this goes. I can always probably sell it for probably the same amount that I bought it off of. Uh, I don't know where I got it, you know, Craigslist or something like that. So, <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So, one tip for folks uh, to close out here for their rookie drafts this year from your experience level and just things you've seen so that they can maybe avoid mistakes or they can follow in your footsteps a little bit. Yeah. Um, don't, get, don't get cute with it. It, it is really a situation where um, you people feel like they can take, make one pick 
and all of the sudden their entire roster is going to to flip. It's going to change the trajectory of their entire team and whether or not they're going to win the championship. Um, you getting cute and making that rogue pick is not going to win you a championship. It's probably going to hurt you in the long run. So just understand that rookies coming in are probably just going to be be players that you're they are sitting on your bench that you're not going to be able to trust that are developmental, right? And um, and if anything, if you are that close to a championship, um, don't be afraid to shop around and, and see. Uh, I'm still okay with 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 moving on to veterans if you have that chance. So just don't be prisoner of the moment and say you have to have a rookie because you don't. Excellent stuff. Uh, thank you so much, Tim Torch, for coming on and uh, Katie Flower on assignment traveling around this week. So Tim Torch, you can find him on Twitter at Tim and FL between episodes. And also we talk every single week on the weekly patron podcast for the UTH channel. So if you want to hear Tim every week, we also dive into things that we call it overtime uh, with Tim, where we talk about subjects that are fantasy related, non-fantasy related. You get to It's basically a get to know you section uh, of our, our time and of our call every single week. So you can find that at patreon.com slash UTH. And also if you want to copy the draft guide still, uh, if you sign up to the all pro level, get yourself a free copy. You can join the VIP chat, which is a thriving, uh, thriving community of some of the best dynasty owners out there. I'm in there answering questions uh, every single day and and frankly, uh, many times a day this time of year with uh, all the drafting and trading going on. So if you want more Tim Torch and myself, uh, you can find us over on Patreon. And reminder about the general manager subscription. I put out last week, uh, I put out uh, strategy session shows for each of the skill positions, specifically for your rookie drafts about the hot and cold spots of, of ADP land. And always be prepared. You know, now we're going to kind of go back, talk a little bit about startup drafts this summer and be navigating the situation. I, I really loved how. Uh, I put together a new look to the running back injury away matrix. So you're going to get to see in 2022 that up in the next few days. And that's going to be something that's maintained all the way through and and weekly in season. It's just so, so valuable to look at who might be available. And and frankly, running back is the position you need to be most aware of week to week in season. So for Tim Torch, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.